Today on Spiritual Agility Podcast, we have a wonderful guest who's going to be talking to us about understanding the term binary, non-binary. Without further ado, let's bring in El Shanir. Hi. You've misgendered me several times. Oh, sorry. So I use they, them pronouns. Okay. Okay. And not Ms. Okay. Which is also female so you can just say el shenye you don't have to use uh an honorific and just make okay. sure you don't say she you say they got they. it yeah no problem oh, okay that's what we're learning that's the whole that's purpose all, of the show exactly that's why we're so here. let it be a lesson there's a lot of people who don't know so this will actually be a good schooling for everyone perfect that's a great perfect. place to start so el Shanir, it's my pleasure to have you today on the show and you're going to be educating us on exactly um, the correct way for the uh, the gender prefixes. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, and you're gonna also be, um, you know, giving the audience um, some some things to think about in terms of uh, uh, the the binaries and non-binaries. How does that work? So um, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and exactly what exactly do you do, and we can take it from there. Great. Well, first, let me say thank you so much for having me. And I'm also just so pleased to be in a conversational space where spirituality is part of the conversation, because even though I'm not conventionally spiritual, I am uh, I have my own spiritual practice. So actually, that kind of relates to the question of what, what I do, because what I have been doing for the past 30 years is I am a historian and I'm a professor at a university of gender and sexuality in the modern period, so 20th century up until today. As a historian, it's very intellectual, right? It's very brain, brain-centered work and sort of critical analysis. And so we, you know, there's a whole field of specialization around gender, gender studies, and what is gender. And we talk about gender as being a social construction. So that gender actually has nothing to do with biology. And that really goes against what a lot of people have come to believe. But that actually gender expression, if we, and all you have to do is look around the world and even look at yourself. Like, what do you associate with your own gender in terms of style and mode of expression, right? Like what colors, you know, are are considered appropriate? I notice, you know, the yellow, bright yellow bandana, right? That's a little gay. Oh, I wear pink too. It's a little thing. So, you know, we, we, we like why why is yellow a women's color? Why? Like, you know, it's just a little too happy. It's proper masculinity. Yeah, I think okay. so. I don't I think that you have to be a certain brave to be very confident in your masculinity to wear yellow as a man. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's labeled as one, just like pink is labeled oh. as a I actually never really liked pink myself. I mean, growing up I just didn't, but I didn't like blue either. So it was <laughs> yeah, so but I actually started to wear more pink and more blue just because just so that I could just get used to using even pink more so 
because of the fact that it is associated more with females. And I was like, no, I, I, I want to force myself to wear more pink. I, he wears it well. What's quite interesting is what people, uh, you, and I always teach this into my, to my university students, is that actually pink used to be for boys and blue for girls. Blue was a feminine color. And, you know, look at statues of the Virgin Mary. She's always in blue. Blue was a feminine color. And it was only in the 20th century that they switched. And that, uh, because pink was a softer shade of red and red was seen as masculine because it's a power color. Oh, okay. Got it, right? got it, got it. I so, see. So the meanings, and even the pink and blue. Used to wear wigs. Yes, they did, yes, they did, yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> so, so really a lot of the things that we think of as being based in biology are in fact based in culture. So that's kind of the intellectual side of it. I came out as a lesbian uh, 30 years ago, and then I came out as non-binary uh, uh, one year ago. And so when I came out as non-binary one year ago, I was in a very different place than I was 30 years ago. And, and I actually was really surprised how, and this is something I really want you to, your readers to know is, you know, there's this story and it applies to gay people too, that when you discover who you really, you know, are and you come out, there's, you know, in our culture, we see it's, it has this moment of great joy and happiness and liberation. And that's that's true. It, it can be all of those things. But it's also a very painful process for most of us because we have to unpack so many toxic things we've learned, so much self-hatred, so much shame. And, and that's before we even get to the point of thinking about telling other people. We have to deal mm -hmm. with all the things inside of us and all our own fears. And for me, you know, I'm 53. I was 52 last year when I came out and I was like, oh, I'm too tired to come out again. <laughs> I don't even, I just, it just felt like too much work. You know, like why bother at this point in my life? Really? Why bother? Right? Well, so, I have a question for you on that is, did you feel like you actually had to come out in a way or did, did it like matter to come out or did it like matter what people thought or how they approached you? That's a really great question. And so if I was born anything, I was a born teacher. And for me, because my teaching has always been about queerness and feminism, I've always used my own life as a teaching tool and as a way to tell story and illustrate. And so I actually, you're, that's a great question. It wasn't that important because in the lesbian community, the lesbian community that I was a part of, for me, it always was a gender critical, gender fluid space. I could have a very masculine haircut like I do right now, and that could be read as lesbian. So there wasn't like a pressing need to kind of come out, but I did it to support my students. Like, oh, got they, it. Oh, I did it to support people initially. I did it to support them. I also did it though, because it began an exploration of just the gender. Sexuality and gender are separate. But they're interlocking. So here, get, let me Wait, give you an example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can, can, can we unpack that? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So okay. in conventional, the conventional everyday world out there, okay. someone is feminine and they're attracted to masculine. So you're born female, you're attracted to born male. And that's why oftentimes the main cultural representation of gay masculinity is effeminate men because the effeminate man in our culture is understandable. Oh, well, if you're effeminate, then of course you're attracted to manliness. So you have that opposition. 
Right. So again, so the binary in gender is male, female. It's a binary opposition. And then the binary in sexuality is homosexuality, heterosexuality, right? Okay. So they're seen as opposites. Of okay. course, but what's what's happening in this cultural moment is people are becoming aware that there are many more genders than two. And there are well, many more sexualities than two, right? Right, of course. Mm -hmm. So when I say for me, I have been femme and I have been butch or dyke, dykey. <laughs> was right. In the 90s, you know, we were all dykes. And, uh, did you ride a bike? I'm just huh? No, I was. I said, did you ride a bike? <laughs> I did. I had a motorcycle. I oh, really cool. Okay. Okay. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Um, before you go too far in, I know we're talking about non-binary, right? Like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm gay and I'm considered an alpha female, okay. you know, and I I don't mind being called a stud, you know, as such called it or whatever. Sometimes, you know, kids are getting mixed up and so you're a boy or a girl and it really doesn't bother me. Um, you know, so having this conversation with you and I realized in the intro, I said she and, um, you know, instead of just using your name, how would a regular person know the difference? You know, like how to refer to you other than a two-year-old that doesn't know any better. Yeah. Like how, would, how would that work out? Because for me, it's like, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? As long as it's with respect, I really don't, don't care because it took me a long time to even be comfortable. I, I don't like the word lesbian. I call myself gay before I call myself a lesbian. I don't like the word. Never did. I, I'm thinking of all the words in the, in the, in the, you know, the letters in the alphabet, we could have gotten a better word than lesbian. That's how I feel. You know, I just don't like the word, how it makes me feel or whatever, but gay makes me feel very comfortable. So I use it. So I guess nobody would know that unless I told them that. So I'm kind of trying to figure out like, how would someone know how to address non-binary? Would I see a, a woman that kind of look more masculine, but she has heels on and her nails are painted? Like, how would that, like, you know what I mean? Like, how would that work? The best thing to do is ask. Mm. Um, so just like for a lot of gay, you know, your gayness, unless you're really like yourself, because you're masculine, people might assume you're gay, right? But of course, yeah. So, but for a lot of gay people, you, it's not apparent. So you might wear a pin, a rainbow pin, right? You might wear a t-shirt, something to signal a to the on the car. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't do none of that. I don't do none of that. Well, yeah. I'm just saying, so a lot of non-binary people, what they're doing is they're wearing uh, a button that says they, them. Oh, but you, yeah. know, you might not see that or they might have a t-shirt. So it's like the gay people doing the same thing. Right. Right. So what I would say is, is, is ask, just, just ask, oh, what pronouns do you use? And just, okay. do you think it's like adding more labels? When in the end, we're just all human beings. Like that's just how I feel personally. Like we, it's LGBTQ plus A B C D E F G H. You know, <laughs> but yeah. um, it it's it's like we keep adding labels and adding labels. But it divides just, us, no? I, I that's what I, I feel, feel divided. Like, like we're dividing humanity when whether it's a she or he or they or them, no matter who it is. But then again, I could only speak for myself because mm -hmm. I see you as a human being. I don't see you as anything a, else. A, a female who, which I guess a lot of men say, okay, they're girls, so men are powerful, or a man that's more masculine than another man. I just see people as as human beings. I'm the and, same way. 
And I think that we've gotten ourselves lost in with all these labels and throwing these labels on everybody that can't we just start saying, I mean, if we're going to start saying something, can't we just start saying, why don't we just assume or not even assume, why can't we just say that everybody's a human being? Because you are a human, human a being heart. first. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, well, I think that's really lovely that you see me as a human being, but I can tell you as a, someone who's lived as a woman and, and now identifies as non-binary, but is perceived to be a woman, I experience sexism every day. Wow. The world does not see me as a human. The world sees me as a woman and I get treated differently. Wow. The world also sees me as a queer, as a non-conforming person, and I get treated poorly every day for that. Yeah. We're in South Florida, so it's a little different down here. Yeah. And, and I guess <laughs> I guess I understand where you're coming yeah, from definitely. because the world treats a black woman and a black man way differently than they would any white or white woman or man. Yeah, and that's, that's, true. that's, that's, that's the I, world. I, I guess I see weird. that's how the world One, is. 100%. And if we don't name it, if we don't name racism, if we don't name sexism, then it just becomes, oh, it was an altercation between that nice police officer and that innocent person. Well, we know that's not the case at all. Yeah. yeah. They're seeing race or they're seeing gender or both. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's there. And so not naming it is, is to deny the reality um, mm -hmm. of what's the violence that's being committed on For sure. every single day. But the but, other thing I want to say about labels, I, 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 I appreciate what you're saying about, you know, aren't there just too many labels, but for people who aren't visible um, or don't know who they are. And I, and I can say this as someone who's interviewed hundreds of queer people, that moment in their life where they discovered they weren't a freak of nature. They weren't a sinner, a pervert. They were gay and that there were many thousands of other people like it. That moment was so liberating and so freeing because they suddenly knew and it could save their life, right? Because they knew they were normal. There were other people like that. Yeah, they were not because a lot of people end up um, living in that that life and that struggle within themselves, just fighting within themselves. A lot of young people, they end up committing suicide. I think also as humans, we spend a lot of time in our head space than we do in our heart space. And that's where all the labels are coming from. And, you know, my journey is not the next gay, you know, bisexual or transgender journey. Every, everybody's journey is different. So where I might be comfortable with, I don't care what you call me, it makes no difference to me because it's not going to change how I feel about me on the inside. It's not to say that everybody's equipped to put in that kind of work to where they're okay with whatever. You know what I mean? I've been called a man before, sir. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't it doesn't bother me, but I know some other people What's that- up, Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've gotten it all. I've gotten it all. And because, you know, my business is more male dominant, so I deal with men on a day-to-day -day basis. And they're probably sexist. They're probably whatever. But because, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't spend so much time in my headspace. It really doesn't bother me. But it takes a lot of work to be there. So I get what you're talking about. It's pretty real. <laughs> yeah. What's one of your biggest pet peeves? Because I know there's going to be a lot of people out there who say, well, 
you're a she or you're a he, you know, what's your biggest pet peeve of them not understanding where you're coming from? That's a good question. I think that for me, I live in a very um, warm, cozy bubble of <laughs> progressive people. So the, the people immediately around me are incredibly uh, accepting and, you know, try really hard to not call me she, right? And even I misgender myself sometimes. So I pre I get that it's hard um, to do that. And uh, so I don't, I don't like get too reactive um, to it. I understand that it's difficult. So there's a difference when people are trying and then there's a difference when people are just outright disrespecting you. And you know. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. That's with, yeah, any, right? that's with anything, yeah, definitely. But because yeah. I mean, even yeah. like trying to understand where you're coming from, I think that even other gays or lesbians can actually um, you know, not call you properly or not refer to you properly because, mm -hmm. you know, they're so used to being in this box, you know, it's either you look like this, then you must be this, you look like that, then you must be that, you know what I mean? Especially in the, in the black community, I don't know if you know, like if you're a feminine woman, you, they're expecting you to be with a masculine woman. That's just our norm. And two femmes generally wouldn't date each other. And if they did, that would probably mean that they're bisexual on the low and they don't want nobody to know if that makes sense, right? So there's there's all kinds of boxes and labels that we have to deal with. So I can definitely understand that, you know, being up where you're at, because you're in Canada, right? Yes. Okay. So I, I don't know. I, I've never been to Canada while I was out, yeah. you know? So when I used to go to Canada, I was much younger. So I don't know what the, what it's like there. We had a conversation one time. I think, I don't think it was on air, but it, we had a conversation about how when she went to high school, it wasn't really talked about, right? No, 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 no. And when I went to high school, I was in the Bay Area. San Francisco's right there, San Jose. And this was, I was in high school in the 90s, but it was open. Like it was still open there, but it was just the area that I was at. It was more talked about. It was more open in California and San Francisco area. And how was it in your area, if you don't mind me asking, when you were growing up, was it a little open? Was it closed as well? Yeah, I graduated high school in 1986. There was no gay straight alliance. Like, no, there was nothing. Mm. There was, there was nothing. Hmm? Were, you, were you like mentally out already? Mentally to yourself? No, I knew I was attracted to women, but I thought that because I read lots of porn, like Penthouse magazine and stuff, so <laughs> okay. women having sex with women was normal in porn. So I just thought about it that way. Like I didn't, I didn't know about lesbians and lesbian community, lesbian identity. To me, it was just like a sexual feeling I had, and then it was normalized in porn. So I just kind of. I just kind of thought I needed an adventure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's crazy because when I found a magazine, I wasn't even, I was going like this to the ladies and looking at the men. <laughs> <But>, right? <laughs> yeah, and but, I'm reading all about the women on women. Yeah. Stuff, right? yeah. But, you know, and it's, it's true that lesbian girls were more accepted by straight men. Still are. Yeah, and still, still are. It's okay for them to do it, but then not for two guys to do it, you know, and it's still, like you said, still like that. Yeah, it's still like that. But I think it has to do with, you know, the whole Kama Sutra thing. If you're, if you know much about Kama Sutra, they kind of like normalize women being together as long as there's a man that's going to be added into the mix. So it's okay. As long as it's for a male's male pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. if, if, if they're excluded, then it, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't work. So yeah. Poor guy, you got excluded. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I'm, yeah. 
I want to go back. This might be a good moment then to loop back to me talking about how sex and gender are kind of interconnected, but not directly related. So, mm -hmm. so in our in in our cultural landscape, we see we see masculinity and femininity as these kinds of two polars, and they're naturally attracted to each other. So, as you were saying, like even the lesbian community, the black lesbian community, has internalized those norms. So two femmes, you know, aren't taken as a serious, legit couple. And I would imagine two studs, the same thing, right? It's probably yeah, no, probably is definitely like, what? What's going on there? But I mean, me personally, I'm attracted to ultra feminine women. Yeah. So I, like, like the most feminine woman in the world, that's what I'm attracted to, you know, but some, some women that are like me are attracted to women that are like, you know, just like themselves. So I get it. So do they yeah. have like guys do? Where the guys are like me, I'm considered versatile, you know. I and thought so, you were a bear. Well, I'm a cub. Uh, There's so bear. many. I'm a cub. Yeah, I'm a cub because yeah. I don't so have cute. the water. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the bears, the cubs, the otters, the queers. <laughs> <but> yeah, <laughs> you so know. <laughs> but you know what, though, I'm not sure What I must say is, working with Victor, Victor is like the feminine side. Like he's very like he brings the heart into the game, right? So. Yeah. Because I remember years ago, I wanted to do a show with a male, and they were like, a gay male with a gay female, it's not going to work. I'm like, why not? Because you guys are, like, talking to different group of people. I'm like, no, we're not. We're talking to humans, you know? And and it's like, I could see that it works, because the traits that I should have by default as a woman, I don't. And Victor does. So, <laughs> right? So, what? That's like, that's like non-binary, right? Well, I would say it's still, like, it's still, so a binary is an opposite, right? Two right. parts. Two yes. parts. And so you're still kind of seeing yourselves as this sort of yin and yang dynamic, right? Yeah, that's what we got going and on. And there's there's totally nothing wrong with that. But but the thing is, is that the the human experience is much just much more diverse than that. Yes, it is. Right. Yeah. And so and so people often they're just they're they're just they become very uncomfortable. You know, the world is organized this way, it's always been this way. This is how I was raised, this is what I know. And when you show me something different. It's very upsetting to me because it's, it's not how the world is supposed to be, right? No, and so for many yeah. different reasons, like we, we don't know wh what it is, you know, I would say the wound, like what is the wound that leads them to that? Like, why do they feel so threatened by mm -hmm. kind of diversity, right? And um, we, we don't know, I don't like, we want to assume, oh, it's homophobia, you know, in the case of gay people, right? Or transphobia in the case of trans people. But there's often, you know, other more complicated things behind that. And that that's for them to figure it out. That's not for me to help them solve yeah, sure not, yeah. sure not. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we could definitely talk about this for a long time because <laughs> I'm, I'm like sitting here like, wow, it's a lot, I'm learning a lot. But if you had to kind of summarize, like, I know you do have your own um, uh, purpose driven um, uh, services that you are providing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, exactly what you're doing? And yeah. uh, what's the focus on? And who's who's the who's the right audience for you? So as I mentioned to you, when I came out as non-binary, I realized that I needed to come at it not with my head, but with my heart. For I sure. needed to understand what I was feeling because it was really deep. It was really deep, and it it surprised me, and it was it was also very painful. Mm -hmm. And I had to make decisions like about along the way, you know, about coming out and what did that mean and all, all these kinds of things. And um, so I started uh, a series of, so I am a practicing Buddhist 
and I started a series of, I meditate. So I nice. use mindfulness practices myself. And so what right. mindfulness does is it it's an act of self-examination. So if a feeling mm-hmm. comes up, like let's say uh, I'm in conversation with somebody and they say something and I get upset. So rather than like react and project on them, I just pause and go, why am I getting upset? What, mm-hmm. what What's going on with me, right? Mm-hmm. We're working on him. We're working on him. It's okay. Right. <laughs> well, it's a practice, right? Like you practice yes, it, it every morning. I sit for 30 minutes and breathe yes. and just watch my mind and what it's doing, you know, and what's going on. So yes. I bring that practice and then we use expressive arts. So rather than intellectually exploring our own sense of self, we use expressive arts. So right now I have a non-binary letter writing club and we meet mm-hmm. every second Sunday. We begin with a mindfulness practice that leads into a writing practice where we do self-exploration. And so, so like, is that like journaling? It's a form of journaling. It's writing. Right. Writing is a form of journaling. So it's right. So just just to give you an example, um, every week I write a something called letters from home. So I send a letter a letter out, and you, people can subscribe to it. And it's anybody can subscribe to it. Anybody can read it, and lots of people enjoy it. But it's is there it's a website they go to? Hmm? Is there a website they go to? Yeah, I can. I can. I can. Uh, give you all the links, but yeah, we'll get, we'll add the links to the podcast for sure. Yeah. In the letter last week, I talked about being that I, um, if I was a flower, I would be a peony. They were very popular in the neighborhood I grew up in. And they start out as this really, really tight green ball. That's like a hard marble. So it's really, really hard and tight. And then all of a sudden it explodes and it's like a million beautiful, silky, fine petals. So it goes from this really, really hard ball to this really beautiful, soft and delicate, vulnerable thing. But it also reacts to its environment. So if the sky is overcast, it will close up because, of course, if it rains, the petals will just fall off. And at nighttime, it closes up, too. So like humans, it reacts to the outside environment. So the prompt this week, for example, was we did it. We did a, a, a mindfulness practice. And then I asked them to think about what kind of flower are you? And um, so then they wrote about that for 20 minutes. And it's it's really amazing. I mean, it's just it's it's extraordinary. It's just an opportunity to kind of come come together and just a, a safe space where we can because like everybody else, um, every, like me, everybody else is it's a process. Yes, it's a, it's a process. There's a lot of feelings there. And there's in our culture, you know, we don't have a lot of spaces where you can sit down and just really explore these feelings that we're all carrying around inside us. So that's what I'm doing. I'm creating a space uh, for us to to, to I love have it. a chance to I do that. Like a dandelion. I know like a dandelion. I can't. I can't with him. <laughs> Dandelions are amazing. I love it. They're so bright and yellow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um. You know, just listening to you, you're so much deeper than what I was expecting. So I really want to thank you. And also, I want to thank you to share your virtual practices as well. Um, yeah, I, you know, years ago, I really had a bad, bad, well, still working on my temper mm. where, you know, and I think that meditation has definitely helped turn my life around and to where I can recognize other people that are probably not meditating that could definitely benefit from meditating. <laughs> um, so, you know, so I honor the fact that you're extending that practice out, out there to the collective. Um, and when I say collective, I'm talking about humanity, you know, people, everybody, um, everybody. so you extend it. Everybody. 
everybody <laughs> as you're extending that to them and making them better better person that we're gonna have to put some work on the non-binary we're gonna have to put some work and that's why we wanted to bring you on the show and talk about it i mean there's so much more that we can definitely unpack so if you don't mind we we'll probably would ask you to come back and we can unpack <laughs> some more things sure um, but, be, but, but before we get out of here, and I know we, we're kind of like right there at your time, I have three questions for you. The first one is, if you had one wish, what would your one wish be? You know, that everybody could recognize the profound beauty in each other and in ourselves. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. I like that. That's, that's amazing, right? Yeah. I, how many um, points do I get for that one? Is <laughs> that, one that one I probably would give you a nice nine out of 10 for that one. The next question is, if you could do your life over, what would you redo? Nothing. Nothing. Yes, awesome. I love that. And the last question, if you had to pick one event in your life that changed you completely, what would it be? You got to pick one, just one big one. I think my daughter has turned out to be my biggest teacher. Ah, mm. how old is she? 33. Nice, nice. Mm. Okay, That's awesome. okay. That's amazing. Well, do you have anything else? No, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you for, for blessing us with your, with your good vibration today. And, um, you know, when we're done, we'll share everything with you and you can uh, send it out to your audience. It was my pleasure serving with you today. We'll have the links for uh, for them to contact you and and how to you know get involved with your your letter and stuff. I would, you know, I would love for people to reach out to me. I mean, especially if you're a non-binary person or you're wondering if maybe you are, feel free to reach out to me. I just yeah, I just love to serve my like like you. I love to serve my community and yes. yeah. And, and, and I think even if they're stuck with trying to come out, I think you'd be a good, a good place to start, you know, you at least help, help or they know that. somebody. Yeah. Or they know somebody who's struggling and mm-hmm. want, you know, want support, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we're yep. trying to, we're, try, we're trying to get away from killing ourselves and, 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 yeah. you know, all that stuff. Thank you so much, Elshanir. My pleasure having you today. Thank Have you. a blessed day. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.